0: it's hard really really hard Monday edition of the winning is hard podcast Cameron Parker, West Scott Evers back for you after a Texas bye week that featured a lot of big teams in the Big 12 in action including Kansas State who is this week's Texas opponent. Well they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing with their backup quarterback Will Howard and meanwhile TCU they also improved to 8 and 0 knocking off West Virginia by 10 points a uh, little concern after the Oklahoma state lost Westcott about the last four games going in and this past weekend uh, did not improve that. Yeah. I think the, uh, the finishing schedule was looking
1: difficult when we did our podcast uh, last week. Um, I think it looks even more difficult now, uh, especially in consideration to, um, you know, how Oklahoma State played against Texas. Uh, they were extremely out of sorts in Manhattan on Saturday. They got behind early. Uh, they weren't able to come back. They were missing uh, their top running back, Dominic Richardson. Uh, but that certainly doesn't account uh, for the way that Kansas State was able to do uh, what they wanted offensively uh, and really limited Oklahoma State defensively in a way that uh, that Texas wasn't able to do. Um, And then uh, if you look at the uh, the Texas Tech game, uh, play Baylor lost 45 to 17 at home. Their quarterback situation was awful. Baron Morton, the freshman really struggled 11 of 34, three interceptions. Tyler Schuff came in the game. He attempted two passes through an interception. Donovan Smith, who beat Texas has since been benched was over to and threw an interception of his own. Uh, so, you know, no Texas game this weekend, but just from my perspective, it was a little bit frustrating uh, that Texas lost to two teams that are, um, you know, played pretty poor football on Saturday.
0: Yeah. And really exposed just how bad this Texas team has been on the road. The two losses in big 12 play this season, Texas tech, the three point loss in overtime. And then of course the seven point loss last week to Oklahoma state where, we're basically seeing two different teams on the field when they're at home and on the road. Beat West Virginia by 18 in their home opener in the Big 12. Then we're able to beat Iowa State barely. Um, now looking back at it, you wonder, well, maybe Texas probably should have lost that game if not for Xavier Hutchinson dropping what could have been a touchdown or at least setting up a touchdown. So the concerns for Sark's performance on the road, he's 1-6 in in Big 12 play. On the road, if you want to throw in the OU games, he's two and seven, including the Red River showdown. But now you got to figure out what your issue has been on the road against a Kansas State team who just put up 48 on a team you lost to. And even with or without Adrian Martinez, it's a night game in Manhattan. Yeah. And, uh,
1: you know, one thing we'll get into the uh, the, uh, sorry, the Kansas State preview. Uh, a little bit more on Wednesday, but, you know, one thing to just really quickly point out, you know, uh, Texas has seen Will Howard uh, the past several years due to injuries. Skylar Tom- Scholar Thompson, um, you know, has had, you know, a few moments where, where he looked competent, but uh, kind of struggled in those games. Uh, he's playing good football for the Wildcats right now. He's really matured a lot in the last several years, and um, you know that's a that's a big boost for the Wildcats to be able to get that type of play out of their backup quarterback. Not uh, entirely dissimilar to to some of the performances uh, that Texas got from Hudson Card that were um, uh, quite good earlier this season.
0: Any word on whether or not Adrian Martinez will be good to go?
1: Uh, he has a knee injury. I don't. I'm not sure if uh, Chris Kleeman said anything about it today. Um, or if there's, uh, any timetable, uh, for that injury, um, they did say that Martinez was a game time decision against Oklahoma state. Uh, Sark said during his Monday press conference, uh, that they are preparing for both quarterbacks to play. Um, if Adrian Martinez was a game, game time decision, um, against Oklahoma state on Saturday, I think that there's a strong, uh, chance that he could play, um, but of course, you know, the running ability for Martinez is such a big part of his game that uh, if that knee is not fully healthy and he doesn't have his full level of mobility, uh, then I think Kansas State would uh, certainly benefit from playing Will Howard, and that would be my expectation.
0: And for Texas injuries, of course, no Anthony Cook. He's the uh, broken arm, right?
1: Broken forearm, yeah.
0: Broken forearm. Now, Sark
1: hasn't really ruled him out. Um you know, as we noted last week, he, he did say that, you know, guys have been able to play with casts on when they have broken bones. Um, my expectation is, is that um, he won't play uh, this coming week. Uh, but Texas also uh, should be able to get Brian Watts uh, close to uh, more full health. And then, you know, any other assorted players that were banged up. Uh, Jalen Gilbo had to leave that game against Oklahoma State. Uh, There may have been uh, Hayden Connor as well, uh, dealing with with that stinger issue. Um, You know, after eight weeks, straight weeks of football, I'm sure that there are some other, you know, knocks for players. And, um, you know, also the, um, you know, the uh, fingernail of of Quinn Ewers should have had a chance to improve because, you know, I think that really had a a big impact on his play. Just, you know, going back and and watching the game um, a third time and, and just how off he looked. Uh, just really, uh, really surprising uh, from him. And so I think that, you know, that injury played a, a much larger role than anyone was willing to admit publicly.
0: So you watched the game three times now?
1: Well, including the first watch, yeah.
0: Oh, man. What, what's your takeaways? Any any new takeaways following the third time watching that game?
1: Yeah, I thought that uh, I'd done the second rewatch a little bit, watch I, a little bit, uh, a little bit fast, trying to get ready for last week's show. And I thought there is. um you know, a big no call uh, where Bijan Robinson was uh, running a route um, in the fourth quarter when Texas got into the red zone. I thought it should have been a pass interference penalty. Uh, I thought one of the penalties on um, the pass interference penalty on Deshaun Jamison was pretty weak. And I thought the hold on, um, you know, the scramble that Quinn Ewers had uh, was pretty weak as well. The type of call that, you know, could be made on on a lot of plays in, in football games.
0: With with Quinn Ewers and And his injury, did Sark say anything today about that? Uh, I know a big topic of discussion was Stewart's performance, whether or not he should have been pulled for Hudson card and just the fingernail injury that he sustained before Oklahoma state. The reason why he was wearing a glove in pregame warmups.
1: Yeah, there wasn't any, anything concrete, um, from, from Sark on that. He mostly was just talking about, um, you know, kind of the general thing about how quarterbacks get too much blame, uh, when they lose and, and, uh, you know too much credit when they win. I, I'm not sure that was really the case. Um, in that game, certainly you know the penalties were a big deal. The inability uh, to get off the field on on third down and, and take away uh, the middle of the field in the passing game were big. But, um, you know if if Quinn Ewers played at the level that that we've seen from him in, in other games when he's healthy, um, I think Texas wins that football game against Oklahoma State.
0: And, and Sark mentioned today that he has to do a better job as the play caller and the play caller receives blame for that loss and they probably should have ran the ball more from watching it the couple of times you have when when your offense is struggling to run block in the second half after having a great first half where it seems like Oklahoma State could not stop Bijan and Roshan and you get to the second half and you only finish with 50 yards on the ground
1: yeah um you know Sark specifically uh, said that you know, he, he didn't think that he called the the right running plays. Um, you know, there there were a few times where where Texas th- uh, threw the ball on on uh, first down um, late in that game. I, I think, you know beyond uh, his, his self-assessment of, of wanting to use different running plays. Um, you know, I thought it was a little bit frustrating that he didn't give Quinn Ewers a few easier passes to complete. And I thought maybe if, you know, they maybe run some, some screen passes or, you uh, given Jatavian Sanders a look over the middle of the field uh, that may have given Quinn Ewers a, a better chance of completing some of those passes, even, um, you know, with the, the fingernail injury that that he was dealing with. But I thought the the difficulty level of, of some of those um, throws that he was asking to make was just, um, you know, way too much. And even though I, you know, I, didn't really think that that Sark should have pulled Quinn Ewers in that game, just as a, a general philosophy of how to deal with young quarterbacks. Um, I I think that, um, you know, how injured he looked uh, with his inaccuracy, um, you know, if, if Sark was down on the field and, and didn't think that that yours was healthy enough to be able to complete passes. And I think that would uh, would have been cause for him uh, to pull Ewers from the game in, in favor of Hudson card. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, again, that's something that, that they wouldn't um, admit to publicly, but uh, just based on, on what Ewers put on film, I think, um, you know, there's a, a strong chance that, that he just wasn't physically capable of, of being able to go out and, and performing in that game.
0: Looking at the Big 12 standings right now, Texas dropped to fifth after this weekend because not playing in the bye week. So TCU five and zero, K State second four and one, Oklahoma State Baylor in Texas all at three and two. Texas still to play Baylor, and then Oklahoma and Kansas behind them two and three. Texas Tech two and three well, and then West Virginia one and four and Oklahoma State 0-5. Oh I asked you last week if Texas was, or maybe it was two weeks ago, Texas was a top four team in the Big 12. Are they, would you say they're a top three team, or is fifth right around where you think they belong?
1: Um, I would probably with the way that Quinn Ewers played you know if he's not capable of of throwing the football you know with the accuracy that he typically has then you know i think texas is probably closer to the five range um coming off a bye week being able to get healthy after that uh you know two months straight of of football games every saturday um i would probably lean maybe closer to, to third or or maybe fourth right now but um you know i think I, I probably wouldn't go as high as as third just because of the issues that Texas has had winning football games on the road and, and not being able to close out opponents.
0: Baylor, two wins in a row. They took care of Texas, Texas last week, and as you mentioned. So now the top four teams in the Big 12, Texas, going to finish against four of, the, four of those in the last five weeks, including the loss last week to Oklahoma State. So Kansas State, TCU back-to-back weeks. I think you get Kansas, and then Baylor – the day after thanksgiving so we're going to learn a lot about this texas team in the next four weeks and Westcott, i'm just concerned that the injuries in the secondary and the lack of death are really going to come back to bite texas in the second half of the schedule yeah
1: i mean you know talking about one of the guys who's a little bit banged up jaron thompson um, has been wearing you know one of those shoulder harnesses for a couple of weeks um he should be a little bit more healthy but questionable about whether Texas will get Anthony Cook back, uh, what a cast would would look like for him and and his ability uh, to tackle really the leader on the back end for Texas, has played a ton of football. And as, as we talked about last week when we were wrapping up the Oklahoma State game, um, you know, just some some real limitations. Uh when you start looking at some of the guys that, that come in, uh walk on Michael Taff, only a redshirt freshman, uh, certainly you know, mature guy, guy that really seems to understand his assignments, uh, much more athletic, more experienced player in, in Keaton Crawford. Uh, struggling you know with his coverages and and knowing where he's supposed to be uh so you know Sark mentioned on on Monday that uh he thought last week was a big week for some of the younger players uh you know, certainly the safety position is a spot where it would be nice for some of the highly recruited young players. Uh, JD Coffee is a guy that we haven't really seen much of yet in his Texas career. Now in his second season, I believe that he was a top 150 prospect, the number 10 safety in the 2021 uh, recruiting class. And then you know, BJ Allen uh, hasn't made an appearance yet this season. Uh, so guys that Texas could really uh, maybe use to step up there. Uh, to give them some options beyond uh, Keaton Crawford and Michael Taft there on the back end next to Jaron Thompson.
0: Do you know if B.J. Allen or Larry Turner Gooden have burned their red shirts yet? Uh, B.J. Allen hasn't appeared in a single game yet. Okay. I know Turner Gooden has played in some special teams, um, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: Turner Gooden played in the Louisiana Monroe game, but he hasn't hasn't been on the field uh, since then. You know, while we're on that topic – Brennan Thompson is now at four appearances. So if he plays uh, this weekend, he would burn his red shirt. Savion Red burned his red shirt in the Oklahoma State game. Uh, DJ Campbell now has three appearances. He's likely to have his fourth against Kansas State with, uh, you know, his move up the depth chart and, and into the rotation uh, along the offensive line. And uh, those are – Those are the big ones. Uh, Lance St. Louis also burned his red shirt. Uh, That was, uh, of course, completely expected since he's taken over the long snap duties over the last month plus. Uh, But, um, you know, red and red is uh, now burned his red shirt. And uh, the coaches also have a decision to make about Terrence Brooks. They may be leaning towards a red shirt for him. If he hasn't made significant strides, he's sitting at four games now and uh, didn't, a uh, play against Oklahoma state after appearing in the games against Oklahoma and Iowa state.
0: I liked what we saw out of Brennan Thompson, just a one catch on that receiver screen, but showed his burst. You know, he's got track speed was an exceptional track athlete in high school. And I would love to see him, you know, get more involved in the offense. I mean, that catch was just 32 yards, but more than a Hall Savion red, or even Troyal Mary have had combined this season.
1: Yeah, uh, certainly a flash of of the explosiveness from Brennan Thompson there. Just uh, you know, simple screen pass, easy way to get him the ball. Um, another way that Texas could also use him uh, that Quinn Ewers ended up missing in the Oklahoma game as as a another deep uh, threat next to Xavier Worthy that Texas has been miss, uh, missing since Isaiah Nair went down in, in preseason camp. Uh, so I think of of all the wide receivers, um, you know, with Casey Kane struggling, I think. Thompson has the most capability of being able to help Texas out down the stretch. Uh, Sark was asked about the third wide receiver uh, position on Monday. And, uh, you know, he really said that uh, that they're seeking consistency from those guys and, and noted that they haven't really been getting it Um, you know, and it's uh, I think you know, for a guy like Brandon Thompson, just being able to get to a point, you know, where he can go out there and and execute um at a at a reasonably high level for 10 or 12 plays. Um and uh uh you know, with Sark really pointing out the, the ability of uh to use multiple personnel groups uh to avoid having to use that third wide receiver, um, it doesn't give me a lot of hope um for what things will look like down the stretch for somebody really stepping into that role. But um, I think if someone does right now, I would lean towards Brandon Thompson as the most likely uh, player out of that group to be able to step forward a little bit just because of his dynamic speed.
0: Looking back at the other big 12 teams, TCU, Max Duggan, 341 yards Westcott. He's thrown 22 touchdowns and just two interceptions. I mean, he looks like a completely different player than the freshman Max Duggan.
1: Well, he looks like the type of player that we've seen against Texas in the last yeah, couple of seasons when he's played some of his best football, uh, you know, against the Longhorns. So it's always kind of interesting to see the the perception of Max Duggan, um, including from some T- TCU fans, when uh, what Texas fans have seen out of him is, uh, you know, what he's doing right now consistently.
0: College football playoff comes out tomorrow. What's your predictions from the top four? Um, I think Tennessee,
1: Georgia, um, Ohio State, uh, probably Michigan in there. I think maybe only two conferences in that, in that grouping right now.
0: Would you put TCU, what, five or six, or do you still think they're kind of back in top ten team?
1: Yeah, I'd probably put them five or six.
0: Looking at TCU's schedule, it closed. So Texas Tech this week at Texas – which is going to be a six thirty night game on ABC. That'll be fun. And then at Baylor, Iowa State. So, I mean, if they can get by Texas, they could, you know, end up undefeated. Um, I mean, they the well, way they looked against Oklahoma State, who might be in the Big Twelve title game. I mean, Oklahoma State didn't even look. Well, that's Kansas State. Sorry, Oklahoma State didn't look like they even belonged in the field against Kansas State with a backup quarterback. Uh, any other takeaways from Sark's presser or the bye week?
1: Um, said that Texas has been practicing well. I'm not sure if that really means a whole lot uh, given that he typically says that, you know, during the week Um, he did say that there are some guys who have been coming on uh, DJ Campbell guy. He had some, some nice plays when he came in against Oklahoma state. And I think, you know, could really challenge um, either Cole Hudson or Hayden Connor, depending on, uh, you know, how healthy Connor is uh, down the stretch with those stinger issues. Uh, Cam Williams, progressing Jaden Blue at the running back uh position, you know, coming off of uh sitting out last season as a senior. Uh he's a guy who has been involved and has uh, burned his red shirt Um Jure Bledsoe on the defensive line. Um and uh Malik Murphy continues to come on as well. So um, you know, solid progress from the uh from the freshman quarterback for Texas who uh, you know, may have a, a really difficult Uh, Tom getting on the field for the Longhorns, being sandwiched in between Quinn Ewers and uh, Arch Manning, who now uh, we know publicly will uh, uh, enroll early in January.
0: And Arch has yet to throw an interception this high school season, right?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I believe so. I think. I think think that's. I think that's right. Yeah.
0: I think. Look at the stuff. I think he's at 30 touchdowns and zero interceptions on the year, which is which is really good for a high school quarterback. In case, sorry, twenty touchdowns, zero interceptions.
1: Yeah, some uh, strong decision making from from March Manning. That's uh, you know good to see. Concerns about the uh, you know competition level uh, continue with him, but um, you know he's really taking care of his business this season for Newman.
0: Do you think by the end of the season we'll see DJ Campbell starting?
1: I think there's a solid chance of that. Um, I think at the least, uh, I would expect to continue to see him rotate in um which is kind of unusual most offensive line coaches don't really have much of a rotation at all they want to have their five starters in there they want uh them to take as many reps as possible and practice and during games so um you know really strong sign for uh the developmental trajectory of of dj campbell as we get late into the season and um you know certainly based on his pedigree and the expectations for him uh, that's not particularly surprising, uh, but a, a good sign for the Longhorns moving forward.
0: Sark did say there was a spark at practice. Um, which take that however you want to take it. At least he's not saying practice was bad. I mean, I'm not sure how many coaches would come out and say that publicly, but between him and him and Jimbo, the Monday tradition is we had a great practice.
1: Yeah, I think there's only been a couple times where Sark admitted publicly that he wasn't happy with how their Longhorns were practicing.
0: Texas basketball? Yeah,
1: Texas. Uh, Texas basketball had a scrimmage against Arkansas um, on Saturday. Uh, I was not at that game. Uh, I was frustrated when I realized that that uh, exhibition game was on a Saturday because I did not want to work on Saturday, so um, I was hanging out watching college football. But uh, we can talk about uh, some of the a few clips that we saw from the game and, and some of the stats. Uh, Texas won that uh, ninety to sixty really blew Arkansas out of the water in the second half a 50 to 30 advantage after taking a 10 point lead into halftime, um, on the scoreboard, Artario Morris, the f- freshman guard led the team with uh, 19 points, six of nine shooting four of six from three, uh, big development there for Texas. If, if his shooting is farther along than expected overall, Texas was 10 out of 16, not a ton of attempts, but they were efficient with the ones that they did take, um, Brock Cunningham made both of his attempts. Tyrese Hunter hit two of his four attempts uh, positive shooting developments for Texas there certainly uh, shot 54.1% across the board and, and maybe uh, one of my you know big standout numbers from the game, uh, two of them really uh, Texas forced 23 turnovers, they scored 26 points off those turnovers. And they scored 17 fast break points. Uh, Chris Beard, you know, reiterated on Thursday uh, when we talked with him in the new Texas uh, basketball practice facility there next to the Moody Center uh, that they do want to be able to play faster this year. They were able to do out and they were able to go out and do that. Uh, the speed and athleticism of, of Tyrese Hunter. Excuse me, I think are a, a really huge addition uh, for Texas and being able to do that. Um, and then having the finishing ability of Dylan Mitchell, whether it's on the fast break um, or being able to move off the ball, he is extremely efficient, uh five out of six, had five rebounds, was active on the offensive glass. He also had four fouls and three turnovers. Uh, so his decision making and inability to to stay out of foul trouble, you know, I think will be something to watch uh with him early in his career. Uh, but a, a positive debut for our uh, for Dylan Mitchell, uh for Artario Morris. Um, and and a strong performance against the Texas, against an Arkansas team. Um, you know, they have some reasonably high expectations coming into this season, uh, but they're also pretty young. And um, you know, Eric Musselman admitted afterwards that, you know, they hadn't been practicing particularly well. So, you know, um, I think Arkansas will be a much better team at the end of the season than they are now. Uh, I think this exhibition game was an indicator that they're going to have some growing pain. So, you know, I don't want to take too much of this uh, performance, but, you know, I think Texas uh took care of business accomplished what they needed to accomplish and uh you know i think they're going to blow out a lot of these really poor opponents uh, that they have on another questionable non-conference schedule from chris beard
0: yeah arkansas came in ranked uh number 10 in the country they're going to have a really good team by march obviously not where they're at where they where they want to be at right now but really impressed with dylan mitchell um, I think you mentioned the foul trouble, the turnovers. There's going to be some growing pains for sure, but his ability to run the floor is really impressive. Um, he's fun to watch, and then Tyrese Hunter's ability to run the point guard, and allow Marcus guard to shift back into that two guard combo guard spot where he was at Minnesota, I think will be huge for Texas. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands nonstop. Hunter can run the offense, and then if you can shoot over fifty percent from three-point land and on the floor, you're probably going to win most games, no matter who you're playing. So, you know, tough to tell. It's been one game. Is Texas going to be shooting this well from the from the three-point line the entire year? Is it just an anomaly? No,
1: they're not. They're not going to shoot sixty-two point five percent.
0: They're not uh, okay. this year.
1: No, they're.
0: <laughs> no. And then Jari Rice, I uh, like 3-7. what I saw out of him too, Westcott. Um, I think. Another good guard athlete. So I'm a little bit excited about what this Texas team can do uh, going forward. I think this team will be a, a little bit better than than last year. And uh, just having that tournament experience and just kind of getting that first tournament win. I know it's a new coaching staff, a lot of new players, but it just, it just felt like the monkey on the back for so long with this basketball program.
1: Yeah, Tyrese Hunter uh, played extremely well in the NCAA tournament as Iowa State went to the Sweet 16 last year. Uh, Jabari Rice comes in. I'll probably call him Jabari Smith about 20 times this year. Yep. Um yep. And, I probably
0: uh, just did it. I don't even remember. <laughs> um
1: yeah, he's a guy that has, you know, a fair amount of tournament experience uh playing, you know, at New Mexico State under Chris Jans. Um and, and I think Dylan Disu um you know didn't have a big impact. Uh two out of two shooting, five rebounds, you know, had some foul trouble, committed three fouls, but um, you know i think he should be much more healthy and, and just having a little bit more size and, and rebounding ability out there uh will take some of the pressure off christian bishop and just allow texas to match up better um with some of the bigger teams that they face on the schedule uh there is one thing that i wanted to, to bring up that you haven't got, really got a lot of clarity from from chris beard about but um you know after the arrest of um arterio morris this summer um and the allegations that were made of, of some physical violence and and some threatening behavior by him. Um, it's really disappointing that Texas hasn't suspended him. Uh, Beard told us that he had sent that to the title nine uh, department, but, um, it's not really clear why he hasn't taken any action himself. Uh, in my opinion, Morris shouldn't have been playing in the exhibition game. Um, I don't think that he should be playing in, in the early games this season. I think that type of behavior, um, is worthy of a suspension of, of three to five games. Um, so, you know, the first real insight into how, uh, Chris Beard is dealing with uh, violence towards women by, by his, um, uh, by one of his players. And, um, it's an extremely disappointing response.
0: Yeah. I think the 19 points in the four or six from three point land tells you why Chris Beard didn't want him suspended. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, that just, uh, that makes it worse and you know, hopefully we get a chance to, to talk to Chris Beard, uh, later this week and, you know, something that, you know, I would like to him, I would like to uh, be able to ask him about, uh, but again, just, um, you know, extremely disappointing the, the lack of, uh, discipline from the Texas basketball program you know, after that, uh, arrest of Arterio Morris this summer.
0: First game for Texas, November 7th against UTEP. They're pretty familiar with the head coach at UTEP. It's the same guy who beat Chaka Smart uh, the tournament a few years back, Abilene Christian's head coach. What's his last name again? Uh, Golding. Yeah, Jay Golding, right?
1: Um, I think it might be Tim Golding.
0: Tim Golding, Jay. I'm getting names all wrong, but uh, either way, they open up. Um, Have you been to the movie center yet?
1: Yeah, we went in there, uh, Joe Golding. We went in there for practice. Uh, Back in early August, it's a it's a great looking facility Uh, and, uh, you know, nice to have some of the areas that that the the B riders move through just a a little bit nicer uh, than the Irwin Center. Um, I think they even have functioning clocks in there.
0: That I it's a good question. I was there for the women's basketball game and I love the sound. It radiates throughout the building. I mean, it was probably like twenty five percent filled. I think they had the, the, the top top deck um not really roped off but closed off and it sounded loud as a frank Owen center did towards the end of the the season or it feels like a sellout which i think is going to be huge because we've never or texas never really had a home field advantage right with the sound and and even when you have a decent sized crowd it's just kind of you know it's felt like like a cocktail party at times i think yeah what what did brian davis call it a wine and cheese crowd
1: (laughs) there were there were a few times um you know when i first came to school uh that Texas in, in 2002, there were a lot of really good crowds uh, for that team that ended up going to the to the final four. And, you know, through kind of towards the uh the rest of that decade, um, you know, had the group that went to the Elite Eight, uh, that lost to LSU, uh, the group that lost to Memphis. Uh, there were some good crowds during during that time. But you know, after they kind of fell off towards the end of the Rick Barnes era, um, you know, the, the crowds were Tended to be a lot smaller, not particularly engaged, and uh, Shaka Smart, you know, didn't do a great job, and with his outreach uh, to students or the general fan base, or with his results on the on the court. So, and I thought it was it was definitely an, an improvement last year. But I think probably the one thing that I'm most excited about uh, is just having the, the students um, around the court and, and you know, for yeah. them to be able to have a bigger impact. Uh, I think one of the best things that Chris Beard has done is, is his efforts to, to form relationships with those students, to have them be involved in, in the program. And, you know, I think that uh, what he's been doing in, over the last year and a half in that regard, uh, we should really start to see that uh to uh, really pay off a, a week from now the um, first regular season basketball game for the man at, at Moody center.
0: Yeah. They named the student section, the corral, I think. And there seems to be a, a really good student interest in this fan base uh, from Beard, which is good because like you've mentioned, the Frank Irwin center has not really had a home court advantage. It seems like maybe once or twice a year, you get a decent crowd. Uh, maybe after a few a win streak or maybe a big game, but some big games for Texas on the schedule. Gonzaga uh, that's November 16th. Um, They play Stanford this in Dallas for uh, the PAC 12, big 12 challenge. And then they play up in New York for the Jimmy fee classic Illinois. And I think maybe Duke is involved in that tournament as well. Um, But again, not as not a tough non-conference schedule like Chris Beard wants to have it.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, I think he kind of likes to, likes to play as friends like Joe Golding and uh, likes to be able to rack up wins and, you know, the new net rankings uh, kind of support that approach. Um, you know, it is nice that there are games that are, um, you know, scheduled by the conference against some of the other leagues. So that Texas has that. Uh, the Gonzaga game was, um, you know, set up a, a few years ago. Originally, they were supposed to play it. Uh, during the COVID season in in 2020. So that got pushed back. Beard didn't have anything to do with that. So all the, all the best games really on the conference schedule, he didn't have anything to do with, Um, you know, we'll see if they, you know, schedule a marquee non-conference opponent moving forward, a home and home series against a program like Gonzaga Uh, that certainly that would uh, be my hope uh, that they would have at least one, you know, that tended to be how Texas scheduled in the past of of trying to have, you know, one of those marquee home and home series in the non-conference, conference every year, and that, you know, to me, uh, should be, you know, the, uh, the lowest of bar goes for Chris Beard, but um, we'll find out more about that next year.
0: And for women's basketball too, also playing in an exhibition match, uh, beat a tournament team with an All-American on it, DePaul, scored 105 points, Gave up just 62. Uh, Fix Schaefer's got another really good ball club this year. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Uh, Roy Harmon, just an outstanding guard, only at three points, and he still score 105 points. Didn't have their entire, entire team either. A, couple, a few people uh, were not active, including uh, the grad transfer, or just a transfer, Taylor Jones uh, from Oregon State. I don't think Fem played. Kendall Hunter didn't play. Um, Did Amina? Yeah, Amina Muhammad, she played. But um, I think it's going to be a really good year for both basketball programs. But I think this women's basketball team, I mean, obviously it's special and fix Schaefer's coaching ability. There's a reason why CDC went out and got him.
1: Yeah, that's a that's an impressive exhibition performance, Um, you know, given a fair amount of turnover. On the roster as well. That's, uh, you know, both of those basketball programs, it seems like there's going to be a fair amount of turnover of players, but, um, you know, Vic Schaefer, as Chris Beard, you know, has done this year and in the past, uh, doing some good work, getting players out of the portal.
0: Yeah. And one of those players, Sonia Morris from DePaul, actually, uh, she's a guard five foot ten. She had. Was She she had 21 yesterday. Yeah, she had 21. Um, she's outstanding too. So the backcourt with her and Roy Harmon and the Kendall Hunter being able to come off the bench, uh, really exciting. And Shea Holly too. Um, she's like Brock Cunningham on steroids. I mean, her ability to run the floor, she's terrific on defense and has the ability to, to shoot from deep too. So exciting. It was
1: a fellow Westlake product,
0: right? Yeah. uh, Both Westlake. That's correct. So if you have a chance to get out there, um, Even if you want to see the Moody Center, I encourage you to take in a women's basketball game. And they got a really good non-conference schedule. Princeton's coming to town. uh, South Florida as well. And then a few other teams. I think who else does he have scheduled here real quick? Um, Connecticut's on the road, unfortunately. And then they play play in the battle for Atlantis down in uh, the Bahamas against Marquette and a few other teams. But they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. All
1: right.
0: All right. Wednesday, we'll be back to preview Kansas State. Uh, Wes Scott will have this preview out there as well. Uh, if you got any questions for us, hit, hit us up uh, on the Burn Orange Nation Twitter account or reply in the comments of this post. Wes Scott, cheers, buddy. Cheers. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.